Hello, good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of the Ask LFC podcast. Uh, my name is Harrison Gilming. I am the worship arts director here at Lake Forest Church in Huntersville. I'm sitting here with community pastor Jeff Cook. What's happening, tribe? Yo, we're sitting out here looking out at Gilead Road. And as we're about to record this, we're about to experience apparently tropical storm winds and weather all day. So it's a good day to be inside um, and catching up on some of your guys' questions. So um, first of all, something that we wanted to just get some clarity on is kind of our, our insider LFC Huntersville section of this thing is uh, we have this crazy thing, a, a Mike Moses named idea that we were kicking around launching sometime soon. So just as you're, you're the dude that thinks the most on our staff about how people hang out and connect with each other. So um, what is your vision? What do you, what do you see? Well, first of all, what is it? And what do you envision some of the strengths of this uh, house church brunch party idea that's been rattling around? What is it? First of all, sure. Uh, so really all it is, uh, is people, gathering together in whatever way is safe, whatever way is comfortable uh, for Sunday worship. So because of all the, the restrictions and the dangers and the things we need to weigh out in terms of getting back together in this building uh, in a larger way, we didn't want to keep uh, people separated when there could be smaller gatherings of folks because there are people who are craving that. And so what we've realized and what I've certainly seen over the years is that if you lay out a plan for people, uh, it's a lot more comfortable and it's a lot easier to kind of step into. And, and nobody's anyone who, who goes to LFC knows we're pretty organic. Like we're not really prescriptive on things, mm-hmm. but we do want to lay out a complete plan for people. And so that's what we're going to provide uh, is just like, hey, this is what Sunday could look like. Uh, we'll give you like an icebreaker idea. Uh, we will suggest a prayer for the day that y'all could pray together before service starts, we'll give you a couple discussion questions that maybe you could chat about over uh, whatever's if you're comfortable eating together afterwards or just hanging out. Uh, but all of that in context of like, hey, man, if this is what you're comfortable with, we want to make sure we're opening that door for you to connect, but in no way making people feel like they have to do that stuff. Is this mainly in the context of community groups that exist it, now? Yeah. So the I mean the easiest groups to connect obviously would be community groups. Most of our community groups have stayed connected throughout this whole thing. We're in a community group together. We meet uh, on zoom every Tuesday and most groups have been doing that. So there's already this bond. It's a lot easier, a lot more comfortable. Um, And I don't know about you, but, but I would feel a lot more comfortable going to someone's house that I know Mm -hmm. uh, that I already have relationship with. And, and so that's kind of the suggestion, but certainly if you got people in your neighborhood, that you're tight with, if you've already developed some quarantine buddies where you guys kind of hang out social distant already, there's nothing to say that that can't be the group. Uh, We just want to look at places where connection already exists. Sure. Um, When, when are we thinking about starting to encourage people to do some stuff like that? Uh, So all I can say about that is likely uh, sometime in the month of June, Uh, we're just working out details, trying to really hear from you guys. Uh, you know, a lot of you responded to a survey that was super helpful. Uh, just hear from you guys what you're ready for, what you're craving. Uh, and then as soon as we feel like it's ready, we'll go ahead and put that information out. Excellent. And, and um, 
<clears throat> the caveat to all of that, as always, is we are, uh, it is good to make plans. We are also just watching just like everybody else is. Mm-hmm. And I've been, um, I've been really thankful as I've seen, uh, that we saw, even as we took a quick look at the results of the survey that, um, man, even at Lake Forest, people feel a lot of different ways about this stuff and when and how the church should reopen. So I've just been really thankful um, to the leadership team and the elders of Lake Forest who have really helped to steer this conversation in a safe and slow way. We want to get back together so bad, but we also want to do that in the right way. So I've just been really thankful that we're like, you know, it's we want to, but we're also not just going to jump off the cliff and say whatever happens, happens here. So mm-hmm. it, it's also uh, things like how you worship, where you worship. That's deeply personal stuff to people. And, and not a lot of people are just kind of eh, whatever. Uh, and so when you get folks who, who think a different way about something so personal, it can be really difficult to do that in a way that's respectful, that's God honoring. Um, and so, so I totally agree. Like the the leadership, the elders, the thinking has all been very focused on how God would have us approach this. It's just helpful to remember, just like <clears throat> whenever you and I disagree, Jeff, is that I am right. And when you disagree with me, you are a mindless drone. So. I, well, I, I have learned uh, as a husband of many years uh, <laughs> that being right is not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> That's very true. Um, hey, speaking of... <laughs> This is actually, uh, funny enough, this was a, a question that was really asked uh, on Facebook on Sunday as you were teaching. You were talking about uh, your kids. So the, the question was just, tell us about your kids. So yes. I don't know if you got anything to go with there. Well, but. so all right. So the statement I made uh, was that I put Spencer, who is our oldest three-year-old yeah, to bed. That's right. and so that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> yep. um, the, the reality is Rebecca and I uh, are foster parents. And so we're a foster home. Uh, and so we have Spencer, who is our youngest, is actually adopted through the foster care system. Uh, love the heck out of that kid. A lot of people at LFC walked through that journey with us when we got here. Um, and, and since then, we've had uh, another set of brothers that were with us for a little while. Uh, this man, this community just loved the heck out of, uh, they went to where they were meant to go. And now we've got a couple more. Uh, we got some three-year-old twins. They just turned three. Um, so Spencer is three or four months older than them, but it's kind of like having triplets. Uh, and so life has gotten a little crazy. And then I got, we have Noah and Judah who are 10 and six year olds who, uh, participated in making that decision with us. Now, obviously Judah was too young when Spencer came to be with us. But but Rebecca, Noah and myself all decided together as a family that we were going to open our home to other people. Um, And so every time we make a decision to bring new kids into the home, it's always a family decision that gets Mm. to be a part of that. That's awesome. It's it's uh, Jeff and I live in the same neighborhood down here in Huntersville, and I'm just realizing as uh, restrictions are lifted and our, our neighborhood has a community pool area to go to. If your family and my family showed up to the pool at the same time, we would already be taking up a solid 13 spots yep. <laughs> of the pool uh, oh, people yeah. limit. Oh, man. 
we have to get there first. We yeah, we got to we got to chart that out really well. But, you know, as a side note, when there would be three of your three-year-olds and one of my three-year-olds there and the insanity that follows that, I'm not sure the rest of the pool may actually clear out anyway. So we, we could be good no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this last Sunday, uh, Jeff, you preached and you talked uh, about gentleness, um, which, which was a fruit of the spirit. If we're looking at the fruits of the spirit, there's a couple that, that probably stick out more than others. And if, if there was a church that's talking about fruits of the spirit and say they were picking five or six of them, gentleness might be one of the ones that gets left on the cutting room floor there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not actually something that you hear talked about a whole lot. Um, and I think as you talked about a little bit in your teaching, part of the reason for that is that uh, we are definitely a part of a culture as we exist right now in 2020 America where a lot of times gentleness can be associated with weakness or with letting someone walk all over you or uh, you know not being tough so I guess the uh, the first question that we had here that we got in was um, if gentleness is so important to cultivate um, you know why why lift weights why why ride a motorcycle? Why try and be a tough, you know, right. person if we're really just supposed to be gentle? Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so uh, I will say, admittedly, that when I started lifting weights, it was n- not for any spiritual or appropriate reason. Uh, <laughs> but but one of the benefits that I have found over time to the fact that I'm like I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm not the littlest. I got a couple tattoos. I got a couple scars. I've seen some rough things. I ride a bike. I get a beard, like all that stuff. Um, people don't, when I'm gentle, people don't assume I'm being gentle because I have to be. And, and so for whatever reason, God kind of set me up that way, uh, where in those contexts, I'm in a position of perceived strength. And so it's clear that I'm choosing gentleness. And that's what's powerful for people. Uh, when people start to see gentleness being a choice, and so for me, a lot of times that's a physical thing, but, but there's examples of that all over the place. People who have bosses, right, who have uh, authority and power in the workplace. We've got a boss like this yep. who chooses to be gentle. Doesn't have to be, but chooses to do that. There's just something different about that from the larger culture. And it's part of what I think Christians think about when they think about being countercultural. Right when we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world, um, is this idea of choosing to be gentle with others. And, and one of the things we talked about in gentleness is that it involves a lot of things. Uh, it involves relationship. It does involve strength, but it also involves humility. Right? That that I have to realize that even in though in certain circumstances I have the power and I can choose gentleness. There's plenty of circumstances where I don't, and people have chosen it with me. And because I'm grateful for that, I can choose it with other people. Sure. It reminds me, I have a, I have like an app. It's some Amazon thing on my phone where I, where, you know, every month there's like a handful of eBooks that I could download for free that Mm -hmm. I, I, I check it out every now and again, just out of curiosity to see. And last month there was one that was like, it was like, uh, how to win 
any negotiation or something like that. It was like a, it's a I don't know who wrote it. It's apparently a pretty popular book. I was like, oh, that's interesting for it's free. I'll check it out for 10 minutes. And it was crazy because <laughs> my main takeaway through the first couple chapters that I read and then I stopped was this is basically advocating that you be as powerful and as basically as big of a jerk as you can be. And that will help you to get the things that you want in life. And I was like, man, that is how, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's how a lot of people look at it. It's like, if you, if you want a refrigerator and you want to make it that make the, the person sell it to you on sale, like waste multiple hours of their time so that they're, they've made a time commitment to you that they are obligated to sell to you for cheaper. I was like, wear them down, man. (laughs) Like that would be, I'm not even, I'm not wired that way anyways, but man, it's, that is the, that's more of the mainline cultural thinking is like, if you see something that you want, use your strength and whatever edge that you have mm-hmm. and go and get it by any means necessary. Right. When it's, it's something that's interesting because one of the things that, that we talked about was this idea of exchanging my strength for God's, right? And so if I am exercising my own strength, well, I can get what my own strength will get me. That's going to be way less then what God will get me, I think the reason that a lot of us tend to, to drift that way is that if it's what my own strength gets me, I get to pick hmm. what it is that I'm getting and I don't have to release that control to God. But if I'm, if I'm trusting in his strength, then sure, I can be way more effective, but I'm only getting what he would want. And, and if I'm honest, sometimes I want what I want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so our culture, especially American, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get her done culture, just just gravitates towards that whole idea of just wearing people down with your strength to ultimately win. Yeah, I have I have a, um, a, the tattoo here. My arm is is a word in Greek. It says Astenea, which I, 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 I didn't actually I, I studied biblical studies in college, but I didn't study Greek. But I, I had smart people around me that did. So I, I did I did triple quadruple check that. Just to make sure I wasn't, you know, like getting the equivalent of ancient Chinese secret uh, <laughs> tattooed on myself. Yeah. Um, it does actually say Astenea, which means weakness. And it was funny because we were at a, a Greek restaurant one time. We were checking out and the, the woman at the register saw my arm. She's like, do you know what that means? I'm like, yeah. She's like, what do you think it means? I said, it says weakness. It's from Second <laughs> Corinthians. Uh where Paul says, I'll boast my weakness. And she looked at me like I was the craziest person. <laughs> like, why do you why have the word do that? weakness written on yourself? Like yours, mm-hmm. like you're saying that's a good thing. And it was just, it was just funny. Cause she had this, she didn't even go into it any further. She was just like, this, this guy's crazy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I caught him and he really didn't know what he said. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, another question that we had, uh, received in, we'll move on to number two here. Um, is what is the what is the difference between meekness and gentleness? Sure. Um, so so really they're listed as synonyms, um, and, and I talked a lot about praotes, which is the the Greek word for that's usually translated gentleness. And there's other uh, derivatives of that word praos that's often trans, translated meekness. Um, and, and the the reality is that probably grammatically. They're just synonyms, but I did spend some time, uh, a buddy of mine actually asked this, and so I promised him I would, I would take some time on it, and, and I spent some time looking at when 
meekness is used and when gentleness is used. Um, and there is in meekness, and now this isn't a theological thing. This is a, what I observed as a dude reading scripture. Sure. There is a leaning heavier into humility when we're talking about meekness, um, whereas gentleness certainly encompasses humility, but is also a lot about strength and about relationship. Um, meekness really lends itself to humility, and, and meekness is what is used in Matthew 5, 5 in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, uh, blessed are the meek, mm -hmm. for they will inherit the earth. Uh, there is just this extra hint of humility and how important it is to engage everything with that knowledge. They're like, I ain't all that, you know? Um, and everything I have, I have because God gave it to me, not because I made it myself. Hmm. That's a really interesting question because I have, have never pondered the difference between those two. We were, we were thinking about this in our worship planning meeting yesterday also, like <clears throat> there are a couple of these that it's interesting to look a little farther into and, and kind of differentiate between because this Sunday Mike is going to be talking about kindness. And as mm -hmm. we're thinking about and unpacking it, um, Mike may go into this a little bit on, on Sunday, but I was wondering a similar question like, well, what's the, what's the difference between being kind to somebody and loving them? And it's really interesting that... Um, Jesus like really covered all the bases, <laughs> not give us a, a easy mm -hmm. escape really out of just finding every possible way to be neighbors to our neighbors, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that, that brings us to the to kind of the last pre prepared thing that I had here. Um, Jeff, you've, you've led really well in a lot of different ways at our church um, as it comes to, uh, when it comes to racial reconciliation and some of the acknowledging, pointing out, discussing how to work through racial injustice, mm -hmm. we are, um, it felt like there was like, <clears throat> there was like a month when everyone was first locked down for a little bit when it was like, all we could all think about was being locked down for a little while. And mm -hmm. that was kind of the world. And man, recently over the past couple months, um, a lot of the conversation nationally, a lot of the conversation um, between as we've talked to some of our friends and our neighbors who are people of color, who are uh, black people, particularly uh, thinking about racial injustice. And there, there have been a couple things that have happened in our country that um are hard to avoid talking about unless you're trying to not talk about them. Mm -hmm. So the, the angle I wanted to ask you about is somebody that spends a lot of time thinking about this and helping lead people through this and help helping probably as I would classify you as your number one, honestly, the number one way you do this, Jeff, is you're just the, the number one listener <laughs> really more than anything mm -hmm. is, which is a lot of what people like you and I are called to do. Yeah. How how do you how do you put something like gentleness on a conversation like this? Sure. There 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 are so many people um, that are hurting. There are so many people that are speaking very loudly and are using their their platform and whatever they have to say. They're they they want to be heard, 
how do you how do you approach a conversation like racial injustice with gentleness and why should you or should you sure um well so i can only really speak for my own experiences um and what i see with this but but first uh just like we said at the top of this thing you know how people worship god is a deeply and intensely personal thing people are going to react viscerally mm-hmm. to difference of opinion uh racial uh understanding racial injustice whatever you want to call it is the same kind of thing, but I would argue runs even deeper than that. Where it gets confusing is uh, it's hard not to see it as a social issue, as a political issue. Um, But I I was having this conversation with my buddy Brent on the drop-in a couple weeks ago. Uh, It's not actually a social or political issue. It is a gospel issue. Um, And and it's interesting when you look at, so just take Martin Luther King, for example. was a follower of Jesus, right? And, and his, his uh, cries against injustice, right, quickly spread to worldwide cries against injustice. Uh, the expression of that injustice isn't actually the point. The point is the injustice, right? Because mm-hmm. God calls us to, to love and do justice. Yep. Uh, but in that same, in, that's Micah 610, I think, uh, in the same scripture, we are told to, uh, to love mercy, right? And, and to engage people gently because the simple fact of the matter, like, listen, if I'm, if I'm in a room, I used to do youth ministry, right? And so I go in the room, you got 120 kids all chatting it up and you're up there trying like, hey, you, hey, nobody listens. Yep. But if I all of a sudden talk like this, everybody shuts up and listens. There's just something about demonstrating humility and meekness and gentleness and being quiet instead of loud that stops people from needing to be defensive. You don't need to defend your point when I'm not attacking it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and the other thing that I've, I've kind of noticed uh, about how this whole thing works is I live my life. And so I'm going to say a word that's going to upset people. Sorry, not trying to be whatever, uh, but I'm listen, I'm a, a white dude. Uh, who got a pretty good education, came up in a good family, Christian, heterosexual, man, like you define majority, I'm it, right? Um, But I know for a fact that in my youth, I should have been arrested a trillion times. I shouldn't have got the job, but I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that is probably because of the way I look. So there is this idea of white privilege that people have, but I think it goes deeper as a follower of Jesus. I live my life from a a standpoint of Christian privilege, right? Like, like I was forgiven when I shouldn't have been. I get to go to heaven when I don't deserve it. Somebody else paid the price for me and all these things I enjoy in my life, I enjoy because God chose to give to me, not because I really earned it. And when I live my life from that perspective and I see tension, because I got people that I love and respect on every side of the political spectrum. When I see it from that position, from a position of my Christian privilege, that I am, I am walking gratitude, it's a lot easier to engage people gently. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my experience, it is the only thing that ever works. I have yet to argue my point to the point where somebody actually wears down 
and changes their mind. They might get tired of arguing with me, but nothing's going to change. Um, and so if I am supposed to be an ambassador of Christ in this world, then I'm supposed to be here to affect change. And to affect change, the most effective thing I can do uh, is to be gentle and to be humble in my engagements. Doesn't mean I don't have the feelings that everybody else has. It just means that I choose not to act on them. And I think a, I think a big part of that, like I mentioned, Jeff, that I think you exemplify really well is you've created conversations and forms to make this happen. But I think a, I think a big part of gentleness in this particularly, that is something that we can all we can all practice and lose absolutely nothing is is just really and truly listening for mm-hmm. a minute. And I, I, I read a thread on, on somewhere of a person that was talking about how frustrating it is sometimes engaging in conversations with people because they can tell within normally like the first question you throw back at them, whether you are actually listening or whether that first question is like, well, what about, or well, have you thought about trying to kind of like, you're, you're trying to change their mind rather mm-hmm. than you just inputting experiences. Um, I, I met with a group of, uh, Lake Forest dudes, socially distant in a garage, uh, a, a couple days ago. And part of the conversation turned to how a couple of the guys had basically experienced racial profiling in the course of their life in some various ways. And dude, like my only job in that is just listen <laughs> really more than anything. And mm-hmm. I'm, I've come to a place where I am super okay with that. And it, I think it takes, um, it takes some gentleness and, and a little bit of that humility to be able to hear about a problem and not feel the need to immediately like just try and say, well, I'm going to fix this because we're wired to be strong and I see the problem and I'm mm-hmm. going to fix the problem. And I, here's 10 ways that this can get better tomorrow where right. you, you see that with a lot of Jesus interactions as well, man, he asked so many questions mm-hmm. to people and, and even the way that he spoke and, and answered questions was like, um, parables. Like he wasn't like, he wasn't dropping the new 10 commandments most of the time. It was like, well, let me tell you this story. And the person had to sit there and think about it and it'd create a dialogue and a follow up rather than just saying, this is exactly what I think about what you're doing. And I think it is right or that is Mm -hmm. wrong. So I, I would, um, I would just say if wherever you are hearing this, that a, a listening posture is always, it's a can't lose way to start. Right. Yep. I, there's, there is never a time in life where I am worse off for listening to someone. There's times I feel dumber, for, but I'm just saying like, it can't be the wrong thing to listen to what someone else has to say. Because at worst that, at worst that person's at least going to feel heard, even if they don't feel agreed with. Right. And that's been, you know, the major thing for me that's helped, helped shape as I've just tried to unpack a little bit, you know, to use the word you're talking about before, for me, a helpful way of thinking about privilege is basically that there is a, there is a problem that exists that I would be fine if I didn't even think about it for really one more second and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't affect me, but it's, it's going to affect somebody else, whatever that thing is, then, then I'm probably coming from a 
privileged position on it. And, and once you start realizing that, then, um, you know, just tried to keep ears open as much as I can, you know, with mixed results, I'm sure with all this stuff, <laughs> but sure. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it is, uh, it is interesting that, that to, to allow myself, cause I have to choose to allow myself. If we're talking about racial stuff, like I have to choose to allow myself to be affected by that. Um, but that's, man, that's loving my neighbor, right? That's putting others before me. That's being brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the unity of the body is that there's a part of the body right now that's hurting Mm -hmm. and and I could ignore it and go on with life, but that's not me being part of the body. Um, and that's what I think we're called to as followers of Jesus. That's awesome. Um, we, we are gonna, you know, we're going to continue being a church that goes there on some of that stuff and walking with our neighbors on some of that stuff. Um, and we're thankful. Um, we're thankful for you guys, Lake Forest Church, as you, as you journey with us together on all this, um, as we, as we really just try and figure out in so many different ways as we're, as we're walking through this fruit of the spirit series, just what, what does it mean to be, uh, a Christ follower that is filled with and led by the Spirit right now in a pandemic USA in 2020. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, super, <laughs> super easy. Actually, yeah. uh, in in a couple weeks we're done with this series, so actually we'll have it solved. Awesome. Yeah. I look, I look forward to that. Yeah. Um, actually, I think I'm the last preacher in the series. So oh yeah, that's right. No pressure. No pressure. So if you could just put a nice bow on top of. Uh, the entire human condition and uh, tell us how we can all. I, I can. I said it at community group. T- so what I'm going to do, I got a t-shirt that says y'all need Jesus. That's right. And I'm just going to stand there for 25 minutes and let you read the shirt. <laughs> it's really, it's really <laughs> funny because um, if there are any of you out there who, you know, have, have studied um, theology or, or are maybe, maybe you're not in any way minded that way, but a, a lot of, because of what we do and how we ended up here, some of us at the church have spent more time thinking about things like that than others and uh, have spent time in Bible classes and with professors, Jeff and I both have. And it's, it's so funny because one, one of the things that um, people really love to talk about and get riled up about is what's going to happen at the end of all this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I realized in college, man, there like a lot of things and theological issues, there are really, really, really smart people who have thought about it for way longer than me mm-hmm. who completely disagree <laughs> about yep. what the right thing is. I had a pastor, uh, the first church that I worked at, he said, Hey, you know, a lot of you have asked me to talk a little bit more about what happens uh, at the end book of revelation end times. Here's what I got for you. Jesus is coming. Could be soon better be ready. <laughs> Perfect. Feels kind of about the same thing. Yep. Be, be ready. You know, other, other than that, we'll figure it out along the way, mm-hmm. but does it really matter other than let's love people right now, be filled with the spirit right now, mm-hmm. um, grow and, and walk in these moments that we have right now. So, yep. Excellent. All right, man. Well, uh, I think that is it for us for, 
this week. Jeff, thanks for sitting down, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll see you at the pool soon with our crew of 13 combined. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, we'll catch you guys next week. We'll be back here with Pasta Mike uh, following up on some questions from a few weeks ago uh, as he talked about some some stuff related to uh, mental health and some follow-ups to some of that that a lot of you guys were curious about. And I'm sure we'll have some uh, some questions from his teaching uh, that's coming up this weekend. So we'll look forward to catching you guys. Same podcast time, same podcast place. Well, maybe the same time. We'll see what happens. But it'll at least be wherever you're listening to it now. Adios. See you guys later. Peace. <laughs>